Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Judges chapter 6 as we continue our series um, called to courage. I believe that God is raising us up in the day in which we live to be strong and to be courageous. And I'm glad that you're here this morning because I know that God has a plan and a purpose for you, but he also has a word for you this morning. And our verse for this series is Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6, and it's this. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. God is calling you to be strong. He's calling you to be courageous, not to fear because he is with us. As we look out into the world in which we live, we can see darkness covering the earth. And when the world experiences oppression, it thinks it's all over. It thinks the end is near. But when darkness begins to cover the earth, that's when God says, no, it's just beginning. It says in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. So when it gets more difficult, when darkness begins to spread, we know that God will arise and he will shine upon his people. He's done that throughout history. We've talked about Moses. We've talked about Joshua. We've talked about Caleb. And today I want to talk to you about Gideon. I want you to talk, I want to talk about him because God raised him up in a moment when the world looked like the end was near. Can't read the entire uh, chapter today, so have your Bibles open and I'll look at verses as we go. But we'll begin in verse 7 where it says, And it came to pass... When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites. And so we're going to pause just for a second there. They cried out because of the Midianites. Now you need a context for this verse so that you understand what's taking place. This is about 200 years after. We talked about Joshua and Caleb. This is 200 years after their victory. After coming into the promised land. After taking possession of the land so 200 years, two centuries later, Israel has turned their back on God. God had given them the victory, performed all these miracles, but the children of Israel began to worship idols. And when they began to worship idols, they moved themselves from God's protection, and obviously the idols had no protection for them, and so they became oppressed and fearful. And so when they turned their back on God, they get oppressed by the other nations, they cry out for help, and then God rescues them. Sends a judge, and he rescues them, but, but then they start worshiping other idols, and then they, they get oppressed, and they cry out to God, and God rescues them. And then they worship idols. You get the pattern here, right? This is what is going on. It's this roller coaster relationship with God. You do not want a roller coaster relationship with God. Too many people live that way. Oh, God, I'm in trouble. And we cry out to him, and he comes and he rescues us. And we're like, thank you, God. And then we forget about him. And then things happen, and we, we cry out to God again, God, rescue me. And he comes again. You don't want that kind of relationship. 
Gideon is called by God to deliver his people from the Midianites. Now, who are these Midianites that we're talking about and they want deliverance from? These Midianites were kind of this band of raiders bigger than Israel. They would come up to the land and they would, when the, they would plant something, the Midianites would come, Midianites would come and harvest everything, take all of their supplies, leave nothing for Israel. I mean nothing. They took everything. They were like a swarm of locusts just coming in and devouring the land, leaving nothing for Israel. So Israel's in survival mode, and here's Gideon, and, and we won't read the passage, but he's in a wine press threshing wheat. I have a picture of a wine press actually from Israel. It'll be on the screen, and, and it's just like this, this hole in the ground, and he's threshing wheat, and he's not threshing a lot. of. He's in this hole in the ground, probably kneeled down so no one can see him, and he's probably just getting enough wheat to feed his family for that day. He's probably just trying to get enough morsels for one day's meal so his family can survive. That's where we find him in this story. They are living in survival mode. Judges chapter 6, beginning at verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak in Ophrah who, that belonged to Joash, the Abrazite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. <laughs> Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord was with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us over to the Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have. And save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? <laughs> Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, look at this. I will be with you, and I will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. God calls Gideon. And this is what is demonstrated. I want you to write this down, that, that God is faithful to his covenant. God is faithful when we're not faithful. God's love never fails. His rescue is always there. God will make a way. He's a God of covenant. Now, God also saw something in Gideon that Gideon didn't see in himself. He saw that, that, that if Gideon could rise in a spirit of faith, that God could use him. But Gideon just sits there and makes excuses like, God, I can't do this. I, I'm completely unqualified. I have all these limitations. There's no way I can do this. And it's just like us, right? We look at the world around us and we're like, God, what can we do? There's nothing I can do. I'm, I'm too little. I'm too limited. And, and all we see is our weakness. All we see is our inadequacy, just like Gideon. But God says, if you have faith, I will give you the victory. It's not your battle. It's my battle. I'm going to give you that victory. But, but all Gideon could see was this unending cycle of despair. It's like, I'm just trying to get enough food for my family today. I just, I don't know how this is going to happen. And when we're in difficult circumstances, that's when doubt and fear is going to kind of settle into our lives. When you're going through a difficult time, don't let that doubt and fear override your faith. 
Let's write this down. God doesn't dwell on Gideon's doubts, but instead reassures him his pres- of his presence and promise to be with him. I love that. He, he, he can make all the excuses, tell God why it won't happen, and, and God, God says, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. Now, this is really important. Where, so he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliver Israel. I'm going to deliver you from the Midianites. And, and the question is, that, is that where God started? Did he, did he wipe out the Midianites through Gideon right away? No. See, a lot of times God makes these promises, big promises, and it's like, okay, God, I want the big promise. And God says, listen, I, I know you want the big promise, but I got something for you to do first. See, it wasn't the big thing that Gideon needed faith for. It was a little thing, and that was this. God's going to tell him as we read this next passage, I want you to tear down the idols. Before we deal with the big thing, we're going to deal with the little thing that got you in trouble in the first place. We're going to deal with the thing that needs to be dealt with first before I do the big thing. Verse 25, that same night the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it, then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height, Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him, but because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than the daytime. God says, I want you to get rid of the thing that started all the problems in the first place. It's time to tear down those idols. I know you're scared, Gideon, but that's where we're going to start. You're going to tear down the altar to Baal. You're going to tear down the Asherah pole, and you're going to make that into an altar to the Lord. You're going to tear down the altar of Baal, and you're going to build an altar to God. We live in a day where we don't worship at altars of Baal or Asherah poles. We actually do, and that's for another message I'll preach down the road, because there are altars of Baal in our society. But... We have this hard time, like, we don't actually go to an altar and worship. So what are some of these modern-day altars that we worship at? And, and I just have seven listed. They're, they're modern-day, but they're as old as, as time. And we worship at the altar of identity, who we are, who we think we are, who we want other people to say that we're... We are. Our identity is so important. We, we, everybody can understand this. We worship at the altar of money, right? It's just, it just, it's just one of those things. We need money, so we worship at that altar, and we want more of it. We worship at the altar of appearance, how we look, but also how we look to other people, how we come across to other people. That's really important to us. We worship at the altar of sex, especially in our world today. We worship at the altar of entertainment. And I'll include in that our phones and the apps and the games and the shows that we binge on and all of those things that entertain us to death. We worship at the altar of comfort. I just want a comfortable life. I, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, just, just leave me alone. I just want to be comfortable. Or on the opposite, we, we worship at the altar of hustle. I got to make this happen. I got to build this and do that. And so these are all altars, but I want you to look at that on the screen with me. Look at those things. Here's the thing about idols. Idols are all about me. Do you get it? 
Like, like they're all about me, what I want, what I can get. It's all about me. Write this down. Gideon demonstrates his faith by obeying God's instruction, even when he's afraid. God says, I want you to tear these idols down. I want you to tear these altars down. I want you to tear the Asherah pole down. I want these things gone. And I love, he's so scared he does it at night. He brings his best friends like, okay, guys, I don't want to make my mom and dad mad. I don't want to make the townspeople mad. We're just going to do this in the middle of the night. This is what we're going to do. And, and yet he obeyed God. And, and sometimes you got to obey God scared. Sometimes you got to obey God scared. Whatever he asks you to do, you have to do it. He tears down the, bull, the altar to Baal and cuts down the Asherah pole. And he, he begins to free the people from the things that were holding them in bondage. He begins to, to, to tear away those things that were challenging them and, and, and it were snaring the Israelites. He had to kind of make that first move and take them down. Because what happens in our life when we are oppressed, when we live in darkness, as Gideon was, you know how easy it would be for Gideon just to surrender to the enemy? Instead of hiding out, trying to make a meal for his family, like, I'm just going to give up. I'm just done. I'm done trying to do this. I'm just going to surrender the enemy. Whatever they do to me, they can do to me. It's like that comes upon us sometimes when we're going through a hard time. We just want to give up. It's just too hard. Because we live in the survival mode. It's like, I don't think I can live in the survival mode any longer because we weren't meant to live in survival mode. It's just meant to survive and move on. But we live in the survival mode and write this down. You can't find strength in survival mode. You will not find strength in survival mode. You will not build your faith in survival mode. That's why he had to do something different. He had to do something. He had to step out in faith. Don't let the enemy steal your courage, your faith, your hope. God says, I want you to be strong. I want you to be courageous. I want you to be full of faith. Follow me. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Build an altar to the Lord, right? That's what he says, build an altar to the Lord. How do we build an altar to the Lord in the day in which we live? We do that through worship. We do that through prayer. We do that through the word. We build that. We, we long for his presence to keep our eyes on him. We build that altar to the Lord. But when any time that worship or that prayer or the word becomes about me, it's becoming an idol. It, it's all about him, keeping our eyes on him. What does he say in the word. We have to build that altar because listen, you can't serve at two altars. You can't serve at the altar of this world all week long and then on Sunday worship at the altar of the Lord. It doesn't work that way. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. You got to tear one down and build the other. You can't have but both ways. And that's what he's saying in this. You've got to tear down the altars of this world. It begins with us. And here's the thing, because, the, you know, it, I understand it's all about me and all those, the altars and, and the altars in the world, it's all about me. And I, I get that. But listen, so what happens sometimes is the people that worship at other altars than we do, they become our enemies. But they're not our enemies. See, what's happening when the, worship, when the world is worshiping at, at a different altar, those people are deceived. Because there's, there's principalities and there's powers. There's something satanic going on in our world. And we are not wrestling against people. We're not here to hate people. We are here to tear down the kingdoms of this world. To walk in faith. Ephesians 6.12. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. See, our, our battle, it's not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers. And Jesus came to set the captives free. Okay? <clears throat> we were at a pastor's conference and Lee Cummings was preaching, and he, he said this line. It'll be on the screen. And it just got, it just sits so deep in my soul. Jesus didn't come to make prisoners comfortable. He came to set the captives free. He didn't come to make us comfortable in our sin, in our bondage, in our brokenness. He came to set the captives free. When did we stop believing that God was all-powerful? When did we stop believing that he is King of kings and Lord of lords? That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That every demon will shriek out his name. When did we stop believing? We believe God can do anything. But then... We stop because, well, God can, God can take care of anything, but boy, same-sex attraction, no, he can't. He can't do that. God can do anything, but, but gender confusion, nope, he can't heal that. God can do anything, but, well, you're, you have this addiction. He can't change, no, God can do that. Drugs, sex, it doesn't matter. When did God lose his power? When did he lose his authority? When did, when did sickness or disease become stronger than God? When did a pandemic become stronger than our God? When did things change? When did anxiety become stronger than the power of God? When did depression become stronger than the power of God? And I've wrestled with some of these. I, I've talked about it from the pulpit. And, and, and God can save us. And here's the thing. Listen, I, we, are not, we do not have any enemies that are flesh and blood. You love everyone. And you love them because they are created in the image of God. And God loves them and He wants to set them free. And, and so, so this is not a message like, okay, these people are bad and these people are good. No. No, God, God we, we're all bad. We all need God. He came to set the captives free. Not to make us comfortable. Not to make us comfortable prisoners. He came to set the captives free. And when we pray, God will show up. When we seek Him, He will show up. Listen, write this down. God will come where He's wanted. God will come where He's wanted. And so we just, we just say, here's God, here's his love, here's the best, this is what he has for you. Listen, this is so important. I'm just going to skip ahead so guys in the back just know. So here's the problem is we think like that, that God's trying to like make things hard on us. Listen, the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. He came to destroy. He came to cover this earth in darkness. Jesus came that you might have life and have it abundantly, John 10, 10. He came that you might have a rich and satisfying and full life. It's Jesus who's calling us. Listen, tear down the altars of Baal. 
tear them down all around you. Take them down stone by stone. Listen to me. This is so important. Do not be discipled by this world. Do not be discipled by the experts of this world. Be discipled by God and what he says in his word. That's the only, that's the only thing that will last forever. Flesh of it, everything will pass away, but God says in his word, this is the truth. So be discipled by his word. Show the weakness. Show the weakness of the spirit of the age. Expose the lies. I believe that we are going to see a harvest of prodigals. And the reason is, is because this world has nothing for them. Right? I mean, sin is fun for a season, right? But then it's over. Bring them in. Say, God, never stopped loving you. What, what happened with Gideon? Just cry out to the Lord. He will deliver you. The prodigal son came running to a father who had open arms. There's nothing that you could do or have done that will keep you from his love. And, and so just, just welcome in. Tear down the altars of Baal. Stop hiding out and answer the call. See, Gideon's act of faith, he stirred up opposition. In, in the next verses that we won't look at, his family gets mad at him. The town gets mad at him. Hey, they're like, hey, what are you doing? But listen, what, what Gideon did was setting the stage for a greater work of God. He was just starting. He was setting the stage for a greater work of God and deliverance ultimately from the enemy. And so we've got to tear down the altar of Baal and build the altar of God. We've got to build that altar, contend for the faith. Worship, prayer, presence, all those things we've talked about. It's not about us. It's all about him. Keep our eyes on him. God wants to make himself known. He wants to make himself known here, yes, when we worship, when we pray. His presence is here. He does miracles in this place. But do you know that he wants to do miracles outside of these walls? God wants to influence the community around us. And so we're called to do that. Listen, write this down. God wants to use and release in you something that will change the world around you. God wants to use and release in you something that will change the world around you, just like he did in Gideon. Listen, Gideon is not the hero of the story. God is. Gideon couldn't deliver himself for, for one meal, right? But God can. God can do that. It's a story of God's faithfulness. And you know what I love about God is he picks ordinary people, people hiding out, people scared. He, he chooses ordinary people, and he trusts us with the call. And, and he says, look, I want you, when you're faced with fear, to step out in faith. I was afraid to preach this message today. But you have to step out in faith. You have to do what God wants you to do. Let me give you two verses. I love these verses. Judges 6.14, because, you know, he's making all these mistakes. Or, excuse me, not mistakes, all these excuses why he can't. And God says this, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have. <laughs> hey, mighty warrior, what, what, not me. Nope, 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 not me. Can't do it, too hard. Do you even know who I am, God? <laughs> right? God says, go in the strength that you have. I don't have any strength, God. I'm, I'm hiding out, trying to get a meal from my family. I don't have any strength. You may say that today. I have nothing. I got nothing left in the tank. But this next verse, two verses later, changes everything. In verse 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you. 
go in the strength that you have. I don't know what to say. Like, I'm scared. I don't know what to say. I'll be with you. (laughs) Go in the strength that you have because I'll be with you. Step out in faith. I don't have the words. Step out in faith. I will be with you. I want to tell you today, God is with you. And listen, his presence is enough. His presence is all you need. And he is looking for a remnant that is full of faith and courage and hope and who will obey him in such a time as this. He's looking for someone who will raise their hand and say, here am I. I'm ready, Lord. Send me. Use me. Do whatever you need to do. It's like though the, the world be covered in darkness, arise, shine, for our light has come. He didn't come to make us comfortable. He came to set us free. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning?